0: Eleven Dubcast is back, and uh, unfortunately, uh, I am Michael Citro without Johnny Ginter uh, this week, but I am joined
1: by, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, I am uh, Kevin Harris. I am the Eleven W intern. Um, yeah, I'm a uh, junior at Ohio State, so filling in for Johnny, big shoes to fill, I guess.
0: Well, Johnny is sick because Johnny's a high school teacher, which I had to mention uh. because Johnny... Johnny mentions it on every single broadcast uh of the 11 Dubcast, so I had to mention it for Johnny. And I wanted to make sure that we got that in. But he, you know, as a teacher, he's exposed to like every germ in the known universe. So uh he's sick once again, and and this time it got a little out of control, but he's gonna be okay. He's on the mend. He went to the went to the urgent care and got taken care of. So uh Johnny get well soon. Uh so Kevin uh is our intern, as he mentioned, and um you know, aside from bringing Vico sandwiches, uh, wh- tell everybody what your responsibilities are as our intern.
1: Yeah, um, I, do, I cover mostly non-revenue sports. I do um, Mondays, uh, I do my Around the Oval segment, which is basically just a, a roundup of all the uh, what's going on with the non-revenue sports throughout the week. And um, on Fridays, I do a, a Twitter rundown, the tweets from around campus. Um, just kind of collect all the best tweets from throughout the week and put them on a uh, Put them on the site because a lot of the readers don't actively use or have a Twitter, and you know they're those guys are gold on uh, Twitter. So, gotta
0: they really are. Yeah, right? I mean, we're I think though that we we're suffering since Michael Bennett uh, graduated and moved on. Oh like, man,
1: every- he was he was a go-to. <laughs> I I almost I had like a I mean I'm 21. I had like a midlife crisis the other day when I realized that my job security hinged on people my age saying funny things on the internet. Like Cardale Jones said, I'm taking a hiatus for like two weeks to focus on a camp, and I was shocked. I I didn't know what to do. What was I going to do with Cardale?
0: I don't know, but you know, you had your midlife crisis at 11. If you're 21 years old, yeah,
1: well, that's true. You're right. I mean, I'm just assuming (laughs) I'm going to be to till 42, but we can't be sure of that.
0: Uh, hey, if I could make it, anyone can. That's
1: um. So Kevin, uh.
0: So who is our who is our our gold uh, standard on Twitter now that Michael Bennett's gone? Oh, it's got to be
1: Cardale. Um, yeah, yeah, although I you agree. know, Stephen Collier, he's he's a sleeper there. He's he's on there pretty consistently. Um, Cardale's good for like a fire tweet like once every two or three weeks, but but Collier's consistent day to day. That's he's a good guy.
0: Well, um, why don't we turn our focus uh, now that we're underway? And I'm sure Johnny is lamenting the fact that he couldn't talk about the awesome opening game against Virginia Tech on uh, Labor Day evening. Uh, But, you know, I wanted to kind of just wrap with you a little bit. We've got some guests coming up, special guests. We're going to get into the game a little bit. So I don't think we need to really get into QB getting and stuff like Mm that. But, um, you know, give me your top two or three plays of the game that, you know, top two or three moments of the game rather, and then maybe your bottom three moments of the game.
1: Um, first off, like before we even get into how the team performed, uh, atmosphere at Virginia Tech was awesome. Um, I wish sometimes the horseshoe would be about that pumping. It was enter Sandman at the beginning was, it was pretty sweet. Um, Mm -hmm. sadly, Metallica didn't show up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, the the atmosphere there was pretty sweet. Everyone was really nice. Um, but, yeah, as far as the game goes, um, I think I was really happy with how Zeke played. Um, I think that kind of got overlooked with uh, how well Braxton played and the uh, quarterback drama. Zeke quietly had, like, 130 yards rushing on, like, 10 attempts or something like that. So it's pretty uplifting when um, your running back can have a down day and uh, still eclipse the uh, 100-yard mark. Um, And I thought uh, the defensive line without, um, even without Joey Bosa, looked really well. Sam Hubbard hopped in there, um, filled in nicely. Uh, I think the team still got three sacks without arguably the best player in college football. So um, I'm excited to see what that looks like uh, throughout the season when Joey Bosa can help bolster it.
0: You know, I'm not sure he's the best player in college football because I'm not sure he's the best player on the team. This team is uh, this team is a, just a team of freaks, yeah. as we saw last night. But um, so, you know, we we've heard your top moments, and I'll get into mine in a minute. What were your what were your bottom moments?
1: Um, that the muffed punt that got me, man. Um, just flashbacks of so many uh, games in the past. I just saw saw uh, Virginia Tech get life with that punt and. Um, it it didn't feel nice but uh obviously the team re- rebounded from that and um it was nice but uh and for for a split second i just started to worry and i'm sitting there in lane stadium and i'm like oh no am i going to have to drive uh 6 hours back and take an exam the next morning after a loss but yeah, that um, yeah uh other than that there really wasn't much um i guess i I would have hoped the secondary would have played a little better. There were a couple big plays, um, but, you know, it's a it's a high-risk, uh, high-reward system um, when you bring a lot of people on a rush. Uh, that's what happened a couple times, and um, not much you can do. Big plays are going to happen, but in an offense that consistently puts up, like, over 45 points, it's it's not that big of an issue if uh, the team breaks out a, the, or the opposition breaks out, like, 20, 30 yards of play.
0: Yeah, when you call a zone blitz, you're hoping that the fullback stays in and blocks and doesn't, like, sneak out behind the nose tackle yeah. that's responsible for him. Because, you know, Tommy Shutt is a good football player, but he's not he's a not guy running who's going to run down. <laughs> yeah, he's, especially once he's already behind two steps. He's, he's already lost that battle. Uh, so the highs for me, obviously, were... You know the start of the season, just just in general, because uh, I overdosed on football this weekend completely. <laughs> just watched a ton of football. The only the only thing I did wrong, I think, is not take Friday off work so I could stay up for the Hawaii game on Ooh. Thursday night. Um Amateur. but I did stay I did stay up till one anyway. Yeah. Uh, I just I just had to I had to I had to pull the shoot. Um. So the other thing that really stood out for me as a high was the fact that. Uh, I just felt so good for Braxton Miller after he's gone through all the the, the surgeries and the injuries and the, all the problems, and then all the speculation: is he going to leave? <laughs> What's he going to do? And um, and you know, Johnny and I talked about this at length uh, throughout you know last uh, the offseason. It's that we just like, why would he transfer when we don't even know if he'll be able to throw the ball till September? Right. It doesn't make any sense. Nobody would nobody would say, "Hey, come start for us when you're not going to be able to throw the ball till September." So. It was great that he had such a huge game, and, you know, I was at one point saying, I think on Twitter, that I think these inside runs from Braxton, you know, direct snap are are leading to something. And then lo and behold, in the second half, you get the fumble recovery, and then on the next play, he goes around the end instead of up the middle, and that ridiculous spin move that we're going to be talking about forever.
1: Oh, even before Um, that. He should have been talking (laughs) about in the backfield.
0: Oh yeah, he made a nice escape, and and let's credit you talked about Zeke, and he made two, not one, but two unbelievable blocks. Oh right, on the yeah. And if the, from the one angle of the spin move on the vine, you you could see uh, Zeke come from behind and just absolutely trash a guy, <laughs> and it was I love watching that. I, I watched that, I watched that. I must have had that on three or four times today, just watching it over oh, and yeah. over again. And then I'd alternate between watching Braxton Zeke? and watching Zeke block.
1: <laughs> Zeke's a great blocker. I, I'm, that's why I'm really excited. Um, I didn't really think about it until yesterday. With uh, Braxton as a wildcat, with Zeke as a lead blocker, that's a lethal combination. Because Zeke's not afraid to throw a shoulder or drive people. That's a that's dangerous right there.
0: Yeah, he's he's he is the complete package, and yeah. uh, it's unfortunate. Unfortunately, I don't think we'll see him in a Buckeye uniform after this oh, year. But yeah. Uh, you know, I'm gonna enjoy every one of his his plays this season, just knowing that you know we're we're seeing that you know he's gonna move on. But he could, had he, you know, if he were to stay his full years, could leave as the 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 leading rusher in Ohio State history. Oh, That's not,
1: oh yeah, far fetched. It's not at all. But <clears throat> um, yeah, I think I think uh, even aside from records and numbers, I think Zeke is definitely up there as one of the top running backs in Ohio State history and I know I know that's saying a lot over um all the Heisman trophy winners and everything but you got to think he was something like 35 yards short of Eddie George's record last year on 55 mm-hmm. sh- fewer carries and a uh a new offensive line and with a broken left wrist like that's saying a lot
0: yeah it's, that's it's insane it's just absolutely insane so my low lights obviously the muff punt which I was you know, we kept hearing Braxton Miller and Curtis Samuel are going to return punts. Mm-hmm. I think they were the in, on the. I think they were even on the death chart. They were the, not, one, not, not the, the game, other,
1: but yeah,
0: yeah. So there was it was, it was Sam, Curtis Samuel or Braxton Miller as punt returner. We didn't hear anything about Zeke, and then all of a sudden Zeke is your punt returner, yeah. and it just he never looked comfortable back there, mm-hmm. and that muff punt just couldn't come at a worse time yeah. because it's like they were getting momentum anyway after after Jack Willoughby, who another guy who you know surprisingly to me you know, was a starter, you know, just like I was surprised about Cardell. I was surprised about Jack Willoughby beating yeah. out Das Boot because, you know, it's hard to beat out the incumbent and, you know, Willoughby couldn't start at Duke as the place kicker. So it's, you're thinking, well, if he can't start at Duke, how can you start at Ohio state. Right. Yeah. But he obviously won the, uh, won the battle and, and, you know, being the older player, I think sometimes, sometimes Urban Meyer loves to, to give it to the older player if it's close. Yeah. And, uh, I will and, say you know,
1: he made a great play on, uh, a- on special teams, he, he clogged up a hole and um, made a stop. So, I mean, I know they brought him in here as a kickoff specialist, and I guess he's doing his job there.
0: Yeah. Although, you know, we got another kickoff out of bounds, At, and that was another moment that I was like shaking my head about. Yeah. That was another low light for me. Uh, he missed his one field goal attempt, which sort of started the the a little bit of the loss of momentum. Ohio State had scored, but it was called back on a penalty, mm-hmm. and then they then they I, I, and I'm still pissed off about this. They complete a pass to Paris Campbell. He fumbles it, but recovers his own fumble, and they call it incomplete. Yeah. And they never really go up to the booth to look at it. And like Kirk Herbstreit pointed out, the guy takes four steps with the ball. What right. do you want? So it's not like he was juggling it the whole time. It was in his hands. He took a few steps, then he lost it on the way to the ground, and you know fell back on it. So if it's fourth and two there, you know, knowing what Urban's got oh, yeah. in terms of kickers, you know, Urban's going to go for that, right? right. <laughs> right. So you know, there's a chance to go up 21 nothing and just basically blow them out of their building and not let them get on track. But I think that missed field goal kind of let them get on track and mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was low light for me. I, the wheel route, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, they called the right play for the right defense and it worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, not real happy with the downfield pursuit of a fullback. I don't <laughs> think a fullback should be able to like put that kind of move on Eli Apple. Yeah, I don't that, think was, that should.
1: Happen. Yeah, he got shook. <laughs>
0: Uh I think uh Curry I would not like to be Eli Apple when Kerry Combs goes over that play with yeah. him. <laughs> Cuz that's going to be a loud conversation and it's going to be very one-sided. Um and then uh you know this team has always gotten always gotten burned on on you know throwback screens. It's yeah. just always been a part of their problem and they've always had trouble with tight ends. So, you know, Michael Brewer played really well. I was I was really unhappy for him because he's a baller and it was really sad to see him, you know, take such a devastating injury.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh Adolphus Washington was playing out of his mind. He was really hard to handle. And um I think you're seeing that Adolphus can be as as successful, I think over the course of this season as Michael Bennett in that role now that he's not stuck being a nose tackle and right. he's freed up to to rush. And when Joey Bosa comes back and he's occupying two blockers and everybody kind of scoots down a little bit and that's going to free up Adolphus even more. I think he's going to really have a big season.
1: Yeah.
0: So Okay, um, you know, moving forward now, we've got one game under the belt. Where does uh where does Urban go from here in terms of what does he what does he t- talk to his team about? Obviously there were there were some issues, you know, that we saw during the game. What do you, what do you think he's going to address this week?
1: Man, I think they started well and they finished well. Um they just didn't execute the same throughout the game. I I think it's easy to put emphasis on fourth quarter and first quarter performance, but they just kind of dragged through the second and Braxton kind of sparked them through the third, but man, that second quarter, um, they need to come out firing quicker and, uh, in, uh, in the middle of the game. Um, I wasn't really happy about that. Uh, I think that's something they'll, they'll focus on. Um, and I think they need to just iron out their game plan a little bit. Uh, I was shocked by how few carries uh, Ezekiel Elliott got, especially in the first half. Um, especially when he was averaging like, well, at halftime, he averaged like 26 yards a carry. Um, but even aside from that big long run, he was still solid from there on. Um, and so it clearly wasn't, I mean, it wasn't that he was getting shut down and you just had to go somewhere else. I think they were just trying to iron out where offense would come from outside of, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. And, um, that led to, uh, I mean, a couple drops by, uh, Paris Campbell, the, um, we had just a couple mishaps with, uh, new receivers that's expected, but, um, I think they just need to iron out their game plan, iron out their offense, see where yards are going to come from, see the people that they can count on, uh, and that'll come. Um, luckily that was our first game and now we've got Hawaii and Western Michigan and, uh, Northern Illinois. Like we're not in much danger and there's a lot of experimenting time, uh, up here, um, Coming up, but uh, I think that's just what they're going to focus on—is um, getting that offensive scheme down.
0: Yeah, Zeke's, To me, that was a, a lot of people on on Twitter last night screaming about Zeke getting more carries, and it—you know—I'll just point out to all the times they ran the speed option. Yeah, that ball is is supposed to go to Zeke it to is. Elliott. That's supposed to be an Elliott carry. They chose to overplay Elliott and minimize damage and let Cardale run, which. To me, was like okay. Had we just stuck with JT, JT Barrett, would have had about 300 yards rushing right. in this game. But um, you know, because he's he's going to get through that hole quicker than Cardale. Cardale just, you know, he'll be he'll beat the first guy. He's not going to beat the second guy, and then he'll run over the third guy, and then he'll be down after about eight yards. But we saw what JT Barrett would do on that play because he won't, He carried it once and went 40 yards with right. it, and it was almost a, a carbon copy of the Minnesota run last year, except that. You know, Virginia Tech's a little bit faster in the secondary. (laughs) He didn't quite get away with his uh, runaway lawnmower routine. But, uh, you know, I I mean, that's – I was pretty surprised to see Cardale as the starter, um, but especially when I saw what their game plan was in terms of the speed option. And, you know, it worked out, which is good. And, you know, we're not going to see a defense like that again until we probably play Sparty or Penn State. So Yeah. Uh, why don't we, Kevin Harris, uh, get into a little segment we like to call "Ask Us Anything." I'm down. All right, because this is this is serious business here. We we have, you know, our listeners out there, our readers at Eleven Warriors, they get to ask us whatever's on their mind. It could. We've actually chosen a honeymoon destination for a couple. No, that's solid. Uh, We choose, you know, like where people go to eat and things like that, because these are very Life difficult questions. Yeah. yeah, people are wrestling with, and they, you know, we're here to help them. So uh, we need to we need to take these, you know, with the the full intent, you know, the full gravity that that they're intended. So I'm up to the challenge. um, All right. We're going to start with Kurt Heinrichs, who, of course, Kurt writes for us. He's a a wrestling writer Mm -hmm. who kind of contributes during the season. And uh, he's got a couple questions. His first one is about uh, the Peanuts characters. Uh, He says Lucy used to pull the old yank the football from rapidly approaching Charlie Brown gag all the time, which should have happened first. Charlie Brown wised up and faked her out and didn't follow through with the kick, or two, Charlie Brown whiffs on the kick, dusts himself off, and delivers a verbal, not physical, beatdown uh, for uh, for Lucy. What, what do you think should have happened first?
1: I am 100% pro uh, verbal beatdowns. That's my thing. Um, and I'm going with this for Charlie Brown because he's a wise guy, except the fact that he never wisened up to the fact that Lucy was a uh, Gonna pull the ball away from him, but he's a wise guy. I think he can um, he can come up with some pretty good insults and uh, put her in her place.
0: Yeah, I'm one of those guys who just thinks it shouldn't have happened more than once. Yeah, should have the the verbal beatdown should have been the first time. Right.
1: Oh, of course. Should
0: have been like what the hell, you know? He should have got up like just livid. Um, and and I'm inclined to think that because of all the times it happened and he never did anything about it, I'm inclined to think that he kind of deserved it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Chuck, that's on you, buddy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So his second question is, he hates texting and driving, especially when you see that texty McGee has kids in the backseat. I've been watching The Dark Knight a lot lately and I'm inspired to be a Cleveland version of a vigilante. (laughs) What can I keep in my front seat that I can throw out the window of my speeding car that will get the attention of a texter but not cause a car crash? Bonus points if it's something cheap. Because uh, vigilantism doesn't pay well. What do you think he should keep on his front seat to uh, to thwart texting and driving?
1: Huh. I think I'd go. I'd go with food. Just anything food related. Anything that splats, especially. Um, just make it stick to their car. Make them have to get a conscious effort to get it off. But also, if it gets on the ground, it's biodegradable. You don't got to worry about trash pickup. Don't got to worry about. Uh, um, not being eco-friendly here. It's good for the environment. So I don't know, just something something nice and slimy, um, maybe like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, a piece of pizza, just something like that. Leave a nice little splat on there.
0: <laughs> it's interesting you went with splatting food because I've, I have, I've had this sort of almost like a dark fantasy of carrying um, a paintball gun with me. Uh, wherever I drive, and okay. then if somebody pisses me off, I can like just roll down my window and just like pepper the side of their car with the paintball that's gun. That's
1: actually really solid. I didn't even think about <laughs> that.
0: Yeah, the only thing that gives me pause is that I live in Florida, and somebody else will probably have a real gun right, in their car. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah. That's yeah. The, only reason,
1: only
0: that. <laughs> it's the only reason I don't do it. But I always thought that would be really awesome. It's like okay, the 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 jerk that cuts you off, you pull up to him at the next uh, light, and you just just absolutely cover his window in like yellow or red paint or something. Yeah. And uh, I think that would get the message, maybe. Right. You know, some some goofball decides they're not going to put their lights on in the rain. You know, you just pull up next to them and yeah. give them a message. You know, write it on the side of their car and paintball paint. Right. You know?
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd get good at it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think over time you'd become really good. So uh, thanks for the questions, Kurt. Uh, now we're going to move to Gregory Metz. And Greg, uh, he's a, a guy who he emails us all the time. He sent us one via the email. By the way, I will tell you in a moment uh, how you can ask us anything because I forgot to do that <laughs> at the top of this. But I'll do it. I usually ask Johnny to explain it. I'm not Johnny. Uh, so you're not Johnny. You know, you're you're just the intern. It's okay. You're just okay. filling in. Um so Gregory wants to know a one. If you guys had to give each other nicknames, what would they be? And we're gonna both just give Johnny nicknames because Johnny's not here. Ooh. So if you had to give Johnny a nickname, what would they be?
1: Man, there is a good one, but I can't think of it right now. Um, man, man, I'm blanking here. You go first.
0: All right, I'm gonna call him uh, the professor. You know, because he's a, he, you know he is a teacher and he's a really smart dude. And like, if you ask him like he excels at ask us anything because like he'll go on a tangent about dinosaurs or like igneous rocks or something right. like that. And he, he just has a lot of knowledge. He's a, he's a very, um, intellectually curious dude and he has a good memory for facts. And so I think, uh, I would call him the professor.
1: Hmm. I guess I'm blanking here, but I guess I go with measles or something cause he's sick and he gave me this opportunity to be on here. Um, slash just threw it on my desk and said go for it um yeah i guess that's what i'd go with uh but he's on the mend he'll be all right
0: all right here's question two from gregory you might not know this because this is a little before your time uh gregory wants to know and this is in response to a, a comment of a few weeks ago johnny made what is 80s butt rock
1: oh you know i do know what butt rock is um It's kind of, I can't think of any bands off the top of my head that would, uh, that would fill that or that would, uh, explain it though. Um, man, it's kind of like a running joke. I'm I'm actually a musician. Uh, I play drums, bass and guitar, but it's, it's kind of like a running joke between, uh, me and some of my friends. We'll just listen to, uh, to some bands and, um, or not bands. We'll, we'll write stuff and, uh, refer to it as butt rock, I guess, but I, Maybe I don't know exactly what it is.
0: All right, I think it's probably uh, in at least the usage that Johnny had is, is that it's those rock and rollers that used to wear the spandex and like show off their butts. Okay, uh, you know, wearing the the tight leather pants and that kind of thing, and and you know, they they were a very riff based band right. and that kind of thing, yeah, yeah. And, and they were very into appearance. I think that's kind of what Johnny was getting at, and and you know, it's just one of those terms that if you've been around a while. Like me, you know, you just kind of – you, it's just kind of understood. Yeah, right. You know what they're talking about. I
1: hear it, but I don't know – yeah. I couldn't, like, give you an example.
0: I would think, like, something like White Snake might qualify. Yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, so Gregory has one more question, and this is a, a little more philosophical. Uh, so put on your philosophy hat here, Kevin. Uh, when you have a toothache, is the pain in your mouth or in your brain?
1: Huh. Technically – I guess it's in your, uh, it's in your brain because I guess the, the, the bothering or the, um, the thing that causes the pain is in your tooth, but the pain itself is in your brain because there's people that have like problems in their brain where they can't feel pain, but like the problem is still there. They just can't feel it. So the pain itself is in your brain, but the, the pain is, um, or the pain, the thing causing the pain is in your, uh, your tooth.
0: All right, that's, I'm I'm down with that answer. And I would totally, I would totally buy it. If, you know, if that if that's what the deal is, I kind of think though that the pain is in your of the toothache is in your mouth. It's the receptor in your brain that tells you that it hurts, but the pain is in the nerve ending in your mouth, and that's what that's where the actual pain is taking place. It's your brain that tells you you're hurt. But it's okay. the mouth that it's to me. It's in the mouth where the pain actually is. Right. So the people that can't feel pain that are numb, like that injury is still happening in your mouth. Your brain's just not registering the fact that it hurts. So that's my take on it. Right. But I is, mean, I,
1: I, is pain? The, I don't know the if registered, registered feeling or is it the thing that causes it? Just I think on it's. Your- I
0: guess it, I guess devastated. to me it's it's whatever nerve endings are being harmed is where the okay. pain is to me. Okay. And um yeah. that's that's my take on it. I'm not I might not be right. I'm I'm not gonna claim to be an expert. I'm I'm no brain surgeon, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh if only we had somebody I you know, and it's kind of a good thing that Johnny's not here because I would think that's at least a five minute riff by him. <laughs> I think that would this this question is so up his alley. It would be like just like he'd be, all right, I've thought about this a lot. <laughs> and and, and, and uh, the sad thing is that Johnny probably has thought about these things a lot because that's like that's how he responds to most of these questions, no matter how outlandish they are. So anyway, that's Ask Us Anything for this week. You can ask us anything on the Twitters. That's a good way to do it. You can uh, do that by writing us in, uh, on Twitter. And we, are, we have uh, 11 Dubcast Twitter devoted just to this thing. And it's at 11 Dubcast. That's the Twitter handle. And you just have to spell it all out. There's no number 11. It's at E-L-E-V-E-N-D-U-B-C-A-S-T. You can hit us up there. Or you can email us, you know, the old-fashioned way, the old people way. <laughs> uh, you can email us, and that uh, email is Dubcast at 11warriors.com, and that's, again, spelled out, E-L-E-V-E-N-W-A-R-R-I-O-R-S.com. So that's how you ask us anything. Thank you, uh, Gregory and uh, uh, Kurt, for your thoughtful questions, and we hope that we helped you. Okay, it's time for Matt Finkus on football once again. Matt, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, guys. How about you? Oh, no complaints. We're uh, we're 1-0 and the best thing about 1-0 is the chance to go 2-0, is what I've been told.
3: <laughs> so <we laughs> I may have heard going that going somewhere away. too. I don't know where.
0: <laughs> so, Matt, I want to dive right into last night's matchup with Virginia Tech and I wanted to get first of all get your thoughts. I know you were very uh vocal about this on uh Twitter last night. Um were you as surprised as I was by Cardale Jones being named the starter?
3: uh yeah obviously i think everyone was pretty surprised you know um obviously i wasn't at every practice over the course of camp but the practices i was at uh didn't see a uh you know didn't see a cardell advantage uh, probably you know the other way um i just uh uh, yeah i mean i'm surprised I'm, i'm you know i think that uh, you know, being a senior, does, does that weigh into it? Does, does he, was it a tie and he got the nod? I mean, I don't buy the, uh, I don't buy the argument of, you know, he won the last three games. So, so JT had to beat him out. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, that, that wasn't the, the storyline going into camp, uh, the entire time It wasn't the storyline going into spring. So I don't buy that storyline, but you know, urban is, has been known to be extremely loyal, to his seniors. And uh that's Car that's Cardell Jones right now. Uh it it's just uh you know I mean it's what I saw last night from him. has kind of been what we've seen uh you know if you, if you if you strip away and I'm not saying that Cardell's a bad player. Don't get me wrong here and and people are like why are you bashing Cardell? You know I'm not bashing Cardell. I'm just I'm telling you what I see. And I see a guy who, you know, you go back and look at the stat lines and his effectiveness And it's been pretty average. You know, it hasn't been great. It hasn't been outstanding. If if you go back and just kind of look at the averages, it's been below JT Barrett. You know, if you compare last year's uh, stats in the 10 games and the three games. Um, So I didn't see anything tremendously last. I'll tell you what, I saw saw him taking a ton of chances that didn't need to be taken. Uh, You know, you go back to that touchdown pass. Man, that's that's a ball, and you saw Urban on the sideline right after he threw the ball, like pointing to him, like come here. What were you doing? What were you, you know, what was that throw? You know, off balance, jumping up in the air, throwing the ball. You know, luckily Curtis Samuel made a, a, a ridiculous play of adjusting four times and then coming back and get, catching the football. But you saw that on the interception. You know, even if that ball doesn't get get tipped, Nick Vanette is covered. You know, you either try to run for that first down or you throw the ball out of bounds, but that was, mm-hmm. might have been a pick either way. And there was just a couple of those plays, and you look at the stat line, you know, 9 of, of 18, 50% completions, you know, 180-some yards. And yeah, he had the 13 carries for 99 yards, but, uh, you know, two touchdowns and an interception. Th- does that jump off the page to you? No, it doesn't. You know, I mean, if you didn't watch the game and if you weren't kind of enamored by by you know a couple of the long throws. Now that being said, I'll tell you what: his first two passes that he threw, as good as you can throw. You know, the mm-hmm. the, the, the the kind of the slant. It wasn't really a slant. It was more of a, a a broken off post to Michael Thomas. The first pass, It's just a bullet hits him in stride, just perfect. But then with that comes kind of all the. The Brett Farvish type plays <laughs> that you know. Yes, we've got the wide receivers to to make those kind of catches, but makes me nervous. And, and you know, I think with any other schedule, uh, he might have a chance to play himself out of that position. But I don't think he's going to against obviously in Northern Illinois and Western Michigan before you get into Big Ten play, which again makes me nervous. You know, I think I just for me for my money, J T Barrett is just so much smoother, so much more under control. Runs the offense so much more effectively, and I, I just think that that he is a uh, a safer choice, maybe than than kind of rolling the dice with Cardell. I don't know if the if the wide receiver, I'm sorry, if the quarterback position is still open or not. If it's still kind. Of, I mean, what I would like to see, I'd like to see these next three games. Those guys, you know, basically getting the same amount of snaps, you know, or roughly so. Uh, You know, maybe switching series because you're not. I mean, let's be real. We're not in any any detriment of losing these next three games. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just not. I mean, our talent level is just that much more than these next three teams. So so let's get a quarterback competition under some live fire situations and then grade these guys out and then go into big play, big ten play. With our, with our starter. Now, I mean, is that going to happen? Who knows? I, I would highly doubt it. Urban isn't calling me for advice anytime soon. But, uh, but I mean, that's, that's just, uh, you know, my opinion, my take on it. I just see Cardell Jones as a guy who, you know, yes, he, he hit some big passes in that game against, uh, Alabama. And, and, but do we forget the, the two horrible picks that he threw against Alabama? Do we forget, you know, the, the, The turnovers, the I think two or three turnovers against Oregon, you know that against a good team is going to get you beat. You know, I mean it it just it it just is that against a good Michigan State team is going to get you beat. That against an Alabama team that we saw. Beat up on Wisconsin there. That just decided, you know, screw it. We're just going to run the ball down your throat. Uh, good chance that that's going to get you beat. So that's what that's what I'm looking at, kind of long term as far as the quarterback position. Who's the guy when I get into into playing a really good defense that that I can trust and rely on? And again, I'll tell you what I saw Cardell first couple series, very methodical, lo- looking at his reads, making the correct read, you know, making that 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 checkdown pass a couple times, you know, hitting Zeke in the flat. As game went on, as that second quarter went on, and as the pressure got to him a little bit, and you started get some, getting some bodies in his space, you saw a lot more backyard football, and that made me nervous.
1: Yeah, so my first thought when I saw Cardale Jones coming out as a starter was uh, I guess Zeke's going to get a lot of carries today. But I think he really <laughs> only got he got four carries in the first half. What was your thought on the play call with that?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously I think that uh, that for this team to be – effective again against some gooder teams, gooder teams, better teams. <laughs> they're really going to have to, to, to run it. I didn't come here to play no school either. Evidently, uh, <laughs> they're going to have to run the football. And they're going to have to really uh, rely on Ezekiel. Like they did in those three games, uh, you know, the big 10 championship, the, the sugar bowl and the other one. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I understand kind of, they were, they were worried about the, you know, having the extra guy in the box and all that, that stuff. But, When you're averaging 26 yards a carry, are you really that worried about having the extra guy, the extra hat down in the box? You even take away that that eighty yard run, and he's averaging so, eight point two on the other yeah. three. So I mean, are you really that that worried about it? You know, to me, I, I I the offense, and and obviously, you know, it's easy to be you know uber critical when you've got a team that is so supremely talented as we have here. But you know, if you're going to nitpick things, it seems like we tried to outthink ourselves. You know, a direct snap, snap to Zeke, you know having them return punts you know, throwing the ball to him out in the flat and those kind of things. You know, Zeke is a downhill runner. Hand him off the ball, run the zone read, and really get to go. You know, I I have to kind of wonder, uh, is the zone read play, you know, not as effective with Cardell Jones as the quarterback as it is with the JT Barrett, who who is obviously a little bit better of a running threat. But, I mean, yeah, those are all Nitpicky things that we can uh, that we can go back and try to pick apart, but the fact is 572 yards of offense is going to win you a lot of football games, and playing as kind of sloppy as they did, 572 yards, and as Ed Warner said in the post-game press conference, he's like, yeah, we were kind of frustrated, we don't think we played very well, but we still had 360 yards rushing, so... You know those kind of things are yeah. are, are going to be able to carry day for you, and when you get the weapons back, when you get Jalen Marshall back, when you get Corey Smith back on the outside, uh, man, it's, it it becomes a very very scary proposition because Braxton Miller was everything that we thought he could be at, at the wide receiver position, and you know I mean. I I knew he could catch the football. Seeing him in camp, uh, knew he he still had the the, the quicks. knew he, knew he still had all the the moves. Uh, he was able to get off coverage pretty well, and and that I thought was a, was very impressive. But you know now you add in Jalen Marshall and Corey Smith to this equation, and man, look out! I I think I'll tell you what: Dontre Wilson's days might be numbered.
0: Matt, when you uh, used to recover fumbles and return them, you probably looked a lot like Braxton Miller on that spin move, didn't you?
3: Absolutely. I was a little <laughs> bit faster. I had, a, I had a little bit better burst rather than the first couple steps. but uh, you know, and So I never had to hit the spin move. I just used pure speed. Just got by everybody.
0: How much do you think he is going to evolve over the course of this season? This was his first ever game at HVAC.
3: He's going to evolve a lot. I mean, and and it was a good test, you know, Virginia Tech secondary is very good. And uh they they put some man coverage on him and pressed him up at the line of scrimmage and he was able to use his athletic ability and uh his speed to really break out of that. You know, as he learns, as he gets more game reps, he's going to feel more comfortable. He's going to work. I mean, I'll tell you what, we talked about this the other night on the post game show too. I've not seen a player evolve you know, just from the time I saw him as a ninth grader at Huber Heights Wayne to where he is now, his evolution is absolutely remarkable and I think he's bigger faster, stronger. I think, you know, when he made this decision in the spring, and he did make this decision in the spring, this wasn't just you know, oh, let's see how my shoulder is. You know, he made this decision a long time ago and he put in a lot of work in the spring and the summer to put on some weight, to put on muscle, to add that bulk that you're going to need to be in every down back. And I'll tell you what was impressive about him. You know, hadn't played in a year and played a taps and didn't look winded at all. I mean, saw him in the second half. He was in game shape and ready to go.
1: Um, The defensive line obviously missed uh, Joey Bosa this week. What did you think about the performance of the younger guys like Sam Hubbard?
3: Tell you, I thought Sam Hubbard played a great game. You know, he was able to win some one-on-one battles with the tackles on the outside, uh, you know, had a nice kind of inside move for some good pressure. Adolphus Washington, I think, has stepped up very well because they needed that. Michael Bennett was a force, especially the second half of the season. Uh, it, it was on Adolphus' shoulders to really kind of uh, pick up that torch and continue to run with it. I thought he played an excellent game as well. Uh, you know, Tyquan Lewis on the other side and, uh, and Jalen Holmes, I, I thought, played pretty well as well. I mean, I... I think, again, that's a young group that's going to get better and better. Uh, not a lot of playing time, not a lot of experience. Uh, you know, Tommy Shudd in there as well. I thought he played a really good game. Uh, they were able to get pressure with four a lot of times, and that's what you want out of your front four. I mean, yes, they, they was. A, it's an aggressive package, and they like to blitz, but when you when you only bring four, you need to be able to get there. And even without Joey Bosa, they were able to do that last night. So I was pretty impressed with the young guys. <laughs>
0: Matt, before you before we let you go, we want to include you in one of our "Ask Us Anything" questions. Um, so this question comes from our our good friend Kurt Heinrichs, and he wants to know. You know, Lucy in the Peanuts comics used to pull the old football out from under Charlie Brown all the time. Sure. And he wanted he wants to know. Kurt wants to know which should have happened first: Charlie Brown wised up and faked her out and didn't follow through with the kick, or Charlie Brown whiffed on the kick dust himself off, and delivered a verbal, not physical, beat down on Lucy. Which do you think should have happened first?
3: Um, If those are my only two options, (laughs) because my pick would be he accidentally kicks Lucy in the shin uh, instead of the ball on on about the second or third time. But, you know, I mean, obviously that's that's not the choice in there. So I think that he – man – you'd like to think that he would just kinda of wise up eventually, but but that doesn't seem to be the case. So I can see Charlie Brown being a little bit of a hothead, you know. He's around that pig character all the time. It's got a stink being around that guy and it's you know, he's always uh losing uh, losing the ladies to to who's that Schroeder on the piano. So I mean he he leaves a kind of a troubled life. I mean, look at the Christmas tree he brought home. So I think he just he finally lets it boil over and gives the verbal beat down to Lucy.
0: Awesome. Uh, Matt, thanks so much for being back for Finkus on Football. Looking forward to uh, to many more of these throughout the course of the season. And, um, you know, uh, always a pleasure having you on.
3: Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I'll try to be a little bit more upbeat and positive after this Hawaii game. Should
0: be,
3: shouldn't be too much of a problem.
0: All right. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. All right, guys. Yep, Talk to you soon. Okay, joining us tonight, we got a special guest. Bobby Carpenter is with us, former Buckeye and host of Carpenter and Rothman on ninety-seven one, the fan. Bobby, how you doing tonight, man? Doing well, gentlemen. Uh, I'm really glad to have you on because you know, as a as a former Buckeye and someone who talks about the Buckeyes uh, for a living, you you sort of uh, you know living on both sides of the uh, the equation here. And I wanted to get your take on. Um, First of all, your overall thoughts on on last night's season opener uh, win against Virginia Tech.
2: Uh, well, first of all, I think I was uh, fairly shocked to see Cardell start the game. I thought JT would. I personally thought that he was the best choice, and then I thought just looking at it, you know, what he brings to the game with his ability to run the ball, the zone read, and the fact that I think he's probably a little more consistent than Cardell. Maybe not quite you know the high ceiling potential, but. You know, probably more even. He doesn't, he's not going to ever make those terrible plays that are going to leave you scratching your head. So to see Cardell go out there and obviously take the field, you know, it was was a bit of a shock. And I'm not a fan of two quarterback systems. So you know what? They picked Cardell, stuck with him. I was a little nervous at halftime when Urban Meyer was talking about, you know, possibly getting the other guy warmed up and ready to go, which, you know, that's opened up a whole, whole can of worms I didn't want to see happen. Regardless of whether I thought Cardell or JT was better, once you pick the guy, He's your guy, and you should not change that course, in my opinion, unless you're given a huge reason to. And you know, I didn't, he's going to struggle. This offense is going to struggle at times. So if we don't score for three drives in a row, to me that's not the, the indication to pull the panic cord. I don't think Urban did that, so that was good to see. It was exciting. And then you know, obviously watching Braxton play and play extremely well. You It know, wasn't just exciting for me, but I was really happy for the guy who has been through so much over the last year and a half, and to see him have that kind of success on a national stage You know, at the start this season, you know, it really meant a lot, and I was happy to see that happen for him.
1: Um, you said uh, you're not a big fan of two quarterback systems. What would you say if Braxton got healthy halfway through the season, or say? Uh, would you say give him a few snaps at traditional QB?
2: Uh, you know he's got he got a couple snaps to traditional QB. You know he's playing Wildcat, and I think he was doing a, a great job at it. I don't I don't think Braxton wants to go back. I think he's having a lot of success there, and I think he's excited about it. And you know he should be. That's this is the position that's going to you know pay his bills here for the next couple years, you know, while he's playing in the NFL. And I think he it, it was fortuitous the way that it happened. If you could ever say an injury was a good thing, but it probably mm-hmm. forced his hand maybe a little bit more than he would have wanted to. And you know if they give him a couple snaps back there. Every now and again, like they were doing, that's fine. But I just hate any situation where you're you're rotating drives and guys are trying to figure out who's going to go in, you know, and, and who's up and who's not, and who's the hot hand. It's just, it's just tough to build continuity, in my opinion, that way.
0: You know, Bobby, I'm I'm glad you brought up the whole Cardale JT thing because I I too was on Team JT going into this season. I thought that he was the guy who could. Uh, run the entire playbook that urban Meyer has instead of just, you know, a good chunk of it. And, and I, and I thought, you know, the speed zone stuff that we were going to see against Virginia tech would be, you know, you know, right up JT's alley, how much of it as a former player, how much of, of these things do you think comes down to, you know, the locker room and, and, you know, where the support is. I mean, as somebody who's been inside that situation, you know, does that, do you think that factors into it at all?
2: You know, I think that there is a little bit of that. You know, once JT was voted captain, I thought it was a done deal. And, you know, it's not to say that Cardell not a good leader, but there's something about JT and his charisma and his personality, and you can see it on the field. When he takes the field, his, his focus, and you look at his eyes, and they tell the whole story. And I'm not big on body language or facial expressions, but the kid is all business all the time, and he never lets – you know, any play, whether it's a positive play or a negative play, really affect him too much. I think that's what guys respect about him so much is his workmanlike attitude. He comes in there, whether he's throwing a fifty yard touchdown or whether he just threw a terrible interception, he's going to go to the sideline and analyze what exactly happened and try to improve upon it. I think that's what guys appreciate from this whole scenario. So when he was voted captain, I thought for sure, you know, it's tough to bench a guy. I want you to think about this the first sophomore captain in Ohio State history. They've been playing football here for over 100 years. Sophomore captain, and he's not even a (laughs) starter. Not even a starter. So I think that speaks volumes to what his teammates think about him as a leader and as a person.
1: Uh, Switching gears a little bit, um, you're a defensive guy. What do you think about the defensive performance last night?
2: You know, there there were some ups and downs. You know, obviously they they didn't play great. They gave up 24 points. Uh, They did knock Michael Brewer out of the game, which – you know, you don't want to say that that's a positive thing, but that means they're getting yeah. pressure on the quarterback, and they're they're getting to him and it, having success with it. Uh, you know, it's tough when you see you know, number forty five, the fullback, just you know running down the sideline and, and making some plays. But I'll tell you this: you know, I, I went back and I looked at that play again this morning, and you know, Luke Fickle and Chris Ash—they're going to be aggressive, and they had a blitz called, and give Virginia Tech credit—they blocked it up, and in that particular blitz that they had I mean it's really a nose guard kind of popping out for any you know, short tight passes in the middle of the field with the running backs and they were able to sneak him out the backside there and you're asking Tommy Shutt as a defensive tackle to cover him so you know sometimes if you have a great call on you're going to have success if they execute it well and that's what happens so I'm not going to you know, go crazy about that tight end throwback on a touchdown you know it gets, it gets the linebacker there the backside backer and believe me you know It's one of the tough, <clears throat> toughest plays in football to defend. You're on the goal line. You're thinking run. You see flow pass strong. Everybody's flying over there. And the tight end, if you go back and watch, I mean, he held his position there for about two and a half seconds and really sold it. And that play's gotten myself in games. I watched it get A.J. Hawk in a game uh, at Purdue in 2004. And, I mean, the guy's one of the best linebackers to play at Ohio State. So it happens to everybody. and. You know, other than that though, I thought the tackling was really good. It was much improved upon what you saw early last season, and you know there were some things to clean up in the secondary and you know, maybe get a little bit more pass rush. And defensive line could have done this a little better. But you also have to remember that they were missing, you know, a very pivotal cog in that wheel, in Joey Bosa, a guy that everybody has to account for and can make, you know, make offenses adjust for him each and every play. So you take him out of the mix and look at what everybody did with Raquel McMillan stepping in and Sam Hubbard having a heck of a game you know, for his first game ever in his career at defensive end, I was pretty happy with it for the most part.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted one of the things I wanted to ask you about was with Bosa out and not having to use a double team on that one end, it, it looked to me like Virginia Tech had a little more uh, success running the football up the middle than I thought they should have. Uh, but a guy like Bosa in there eating up two blockers certainly would have helped in that situation, I think. What was your take overall on the on the D-line and, and against the run?
2: Well, you know, they did a fairly decent job. Like you said, there was some leakage in the middle there, and Bosa does a good job of occupying two blockers. But not only that, you know, he's such a great penetrator. If you choose the single block, which teams inevitably have to do at certain points in time, but he's so strong and he's very athletic, and he's able to get in the backfield. And whenever you make the running back cut in the backfield... It makes the linebacker's job a lot easier because he's not able then to press the point downhill and force you to make a decision. He had to adjust course. The offensive linemen don't know that he may have had to cut back. So then you're going to more or less be unblocked and be able to flow to the football easier. So you're not having a penetrator, or an aggressive guy in there like that. That's going to hurt. And I think it bothered him a little bit last night. They did adjust. But I mean, you'd be fooling yourself to think that that defense is the same without Joey Bosa as it is with him in there. And there's a reason for that and why everybody has him rated at the top of their draft boards. It's because the guy's a difference maker on the football field.
1: So with that, do you think the team missed the three wide receivers more or Joey Bosa himself more?
2: Well, I guess if you look at the wide receiver performance and you know, Braxton Miller hopping in there, I would have to say that they probably missed Bosa more. I will say this. I think they did miss Jalen and Dontre for their punt return abilities. You know, when you look at that situation and, and what they're able to do and, you know, how they need how they need to be able to, to move the football and catch it first. You know, Zeke's a, a tremendous athlete, but at the same time, you know, fielding punts isn't necessarily as easy as what it looks. It's very difficult, and there's been a lot of great athletes who just can't field them, and that's, that's nothing against them. It's very hard to do. It's something that's incredibly difficult. So, you know, he did struggle with it, you know, and it's tough, and that, you know, I feel for Zeke, but let's just get him the ball. But I would have to say that, obviously, Bosa was a bigger miss with how Braxton was able to step up and play. Curtis Samuel made some plays out there. You know Michael Thomas did what he needed to do. You, know, you want to see a little bit more from those young guys, but I thought it was a pretty solid performance.
0: Who was the young guy that, that stood out to you the most? I mean, there were a number of new starters and in, in uh, Taequann Lewis and then and, and the combination of Hubbard and Holmes and Raekwon McMillan and... Um, uh, Paris Campbell has played quite a bit. Who who really stood out for you?
2: Well, Paris has tremendous athletic ability. He's just got to learn to finish the play. Uh, probably the guy that stood out the most to me was Sam Hubbard. You know, Taquan Lewis had some plays too, but you know, he's he's played defensive end his whole life. You know, Sam Hubbard has not. You know, he he they threw him out there. You know, he started learning defensive end at the end of last season. The guy played safety in high school, and to move up, you know, and coaches say the, the game gets faster and the reaction time, that is, closer. the closer you get to the line of scrimmage and then the football. So being on the outside, you have a little more time. As you begin to move inside, things happen faster. Then they happen faster as you go from the defensive backfield, obviously, forward. So you're talking about a guy that played safety, then linebacker, then a little tight end, then linebacker, and ultimately defensive end. So I give him a ton of credit for being able to go out there and make the plays that he did. And, yeah, like I said, he wasn't Joey Bosa, but for if you would have told me that we we're going to get a sack and a big pressure that caused another turnover out of him, I mean, I would say that's definitely a win for a guy that has never taken a real game snap of defensive end in his life.
1: Um, I thought probably out of all the teams on the schedule, Virginia Tech matched up the best against Ohio State. Uh, do you see any other team left on the schedule that can possibly have a chance to knock him off?
2: <laughs> we'll I, possibly obviously
1: Michigan State.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was going to obviously go to Michigan State right away. I mean, they're the team, when you look at it, obviously is the best. I mean, they're ranked, what, fifth, sixth in the country for a reason. Yeah, Yeah, Mark D'Antonio is a very very good coach, and he's done a very good job. Now, he knows Ohio State. He's from Ohio. He understands what it means to play at Ohio State. So he's going to be ready to go. He's going to have those guys fired up, and they're going to be focused and ready. They have a good defensive line, an efficient offense, a veteran quarterback, and all of those things matter, and they, they matter a great deal. So, you know, when you compare all that together, you know, with a great coaching staff, now they did lose Pat Narduzzi, and, and that will have some effect, they're going to be ready to go, and they're going to come in, and they're going to be focused and play hard. It's, you know, it's obviously down in Ohio Stadium, which that'll make a difference, because that'll help them out a lot, but still, I mean, it's not, it's not the easiest thing in the world to go on the road and win, so that's something that Ohio State does have going for them, but you're going to really find out a lot about Michigan State when they play Oregon this week, because if they're able to win mm-hmm. that game... You know, that might be a game of you know, you look at two teams that could be ranked I don't know first and third, first and fourth and and I would say it's a very premier game heading into the Thanksgiving weekend so it's going to be a big game, a big matchup. If they're able to take care of business this week, and then I think you'll really be able to find out how good they are.
0: You know, Bobby, the uh the quick turnaround this week. Obviously, Hawaii is um is not a team that that a lot of people are fearing, but uh you know how much does that affect a team when you only have a few days to turn around and and put a game plan in and and you know heal up from your bumps and bruises and get ready to play the next game
2: oh well i'll tell you this it it does matter and people that say that it doesn't you know they're inexperienced and you know they've never been on a quick turnaround side like that uh i played in the nfl for seven years played on thanksgiving day every time and so you're on those four-day breaks now they have a five-day break with this so it's a little bit more time the guys are young so they're able to rebound and you know, bounce back a little bit quicker, a little bit easier, which does make a difference. You know, age plays into it a huge, huge degree. But it also kind of hurts them, you know, when you have a young team, you're not able to get out there and get those practice reps that the experience, the live looks that you need going in. It's going to be a lot of walkthroughs. Things will be a little bit slower because they're going to want to get their legs back. And then on top of it now, they got in last night, I want to say, around 4, 4.15. Guys had class at 8 o'clock, 8.30. <laughs> They had to show up and go. You know, they had to day off, but it's not like in the NFL where an off day, you get to sleep around, go in, get some treatment, maybe get a little workout, take a nap. I mean, you've got to do all that stuff, plus go to probably three or four hours of class. So it's not an easy day. It's a very long day. And you get back on, you know, a normal sleep pattern. That sometimes it doesn't catch up for you for another day or two. And then it's all of a sudden Saturday's going to be here. So I do... You know, there is some cause for concern a little bit, but this is a fairly veteran bunch in a lot of positions. And outside of that, I'll take solace in the fact that Hawaii is traveling about, you know, six time zones or seven, <laughs> whatever it is, to get out here. So I will say that maybe it'll help balance out a
1: little bit. Um, One last question for me. Uh, just looking back at your career, what's one team you would have had in your four years at Ohio State um, that you would have liked to have a shot at?
2: Would have liked to have had a shot to be able to play, a team that we yeah. didn't play. Uh, you know, I would have had to say in two thousand five we got a chance to play Texas. Uh, there was a lot of good teams we played that by that year we played Texas, who ended up being the national champs you with know, Vince Young. We lost to him, you know, by a couple points at the end of the game. You know, we we're firmly in control and uh just, just couldn't pull it out. So that's obviously a game that you know was tough. You know, we lost to Penn State as well that year. we were able to beat Michigan, but you know, Texas ended up playing USC in the championship and the BCS championship. They ended up winning. Mm-hmm. You know, Vince Young had his memor- memorable drive at the end of the game. And, you know, USC was, you know, kind of the gold standard. It was first Miami and we were able to knock them off in 02. And then, mm-hmm. you know, 03, 04, 05, it was really USC. I mean, they were, they were the team that, you know, had Matt Liner, Reggie Bush, you know, all these guys that are just cranking out into the NFL, lots of talent. And you watch Texas go in there and beat them. And that, you know, and I, I saw that. I looked at that game and thought, "Gosh, you know, we could have beat these guys too," and you know, beaten another iconic, I- iconic institution of USC Trojans. You know, and in an epic game like that would have been absolutely phenomenal. And that's something that you, know, you look back and you know, the coulda, woulda, shoulda's in life. And I always tell people, you know, you remember the losses far more than the wins. You know, when you're the competitor at any level, and especially you know at the highest level, and in you know, a Texas game. You know, we probably we, like we should have beat them, and if we beat them, then you know who knows maybe we end up playing USC and we get a chance you know to stop that that you know, that vaunted USC offense and all the talent that they had.
0: Well, Bobby, you know, really happy to have had you on and to talk about this big win over Virginia Tech and, and get your insight into the game, and, and really appreciate you coming on with us again, and and we hope to have you on again real soon.
2: Absolutely, thank you, John.
0: Okay, well, that's just about it for another edition of the Eleven Dubcast. Uh, Kevin, thanks so much for filling in with Johnny, uh, filling in for the the ill Johnny this week.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. It was great.
0: (laughs) Now, we want to obviously thank our guest, Bobby Carpenter. Uh, He is the host of Carpenter and Rothman, a co-host, I would imagine, Yeah. Uh, at 97.1 The Fan. And uh, Bobby, obviously ex-linebacker at Ohio State, Uh, an NFL linebacker. Always nice to hear from him. He's, he's very good and, uh, we appreciate him coming on. And thanks to Matt Finkus for Finkus on Football. Once again, Matt is an all star. He's the only reason people really listen to the show, I think. (laughs) I couldn't, wouldn't swear to it, but it might be, it might be true. Uh, before we get out of here, Kevin, uh, what, this is where I normally ask Johnny a question or he asks me on the, the weeks that he hosts. We kind of alternate, but, um, he was thoughtful enough to get sick on the week that I have to edit and not the week that he has to edit, right. make, therefore making me have to edit. So thanks, Johnny. I appreciate that. So your question tonight uh, is going to go back to Kurt's question. I want to s- ask you, if you were a Peanuts character, which one are you? Hmm.
1: You know, I'm not going to answer which one I am. I'm going to answer which one I'd like to be. I want to be Pigpen because he just doesn't care, you know? Like he's just the most he's the most free spirited little guy ever. Just doesn't even doesn't even worry about uh worry about uh you know the thoughts and cares of other people. Just he just goes about his life.
0: Well, you know, you don't get to just get off that easy. You have to actually say which one you are, not just which one you want to be. Hmm. Come on, intern. This one's tough.
1: <laughs> I think Well yeah.
0: They're always tough.
1: Huh. I think I guess I, I don't see. I don't want to cop out and take Charlie Brown, but like we were talking about, uh, we were talking about Lucy pulling the ball away from him every time, and it's kind of his own fault that uh, he uh, he keeps swinging and missing. And I guess that's kind of, I guess I can relate to that. Just doing the same dumb things over and over and over and never learning from them. Uh,
0: it's called being a Cleveland Indians fan. That's what it's called.
1: Oh, oh, just a Cleveland sports fan in general. That's why I don't do that. <laughs> uh,
0: okay, well, you know, I would like to be Schroeder. I would like to think I'm Schroeder. I'm the cool dude with yeah. all the talent yeah. that gets the chicks. Uh, in reality, I'm probably more like Linus.
1: Yeah, Linus is a solid one to you.
0: I need to have that security blanket, you know. I always right. need to be comforted, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And you know, I don't care that people know that I need to be have that comfort. Like Linus doesn't give a crap that people see him with that blanket and sucking right. his thumb. He just wants to be comfortable, and that's me. I don't care what people think. I just want to be comfortable. Right. And if that means I'm wearing sweatpants, well, then by God, I'm wearing sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm gonna be 49 in a week. I don't care. <laughs> I, I've given up. <laughs> I'm not impressing anyone anymore. Uh yeah that's that's just me. So uh anyway Kevin you did a fine job filling in for Johnny uh Johnny Ginter this week and I uh, appreciate it. Well, thank uh, you. so we're going to have to obviously have you on again and now that you've done this once Jason's going to always make you fill in for one right. of us if we
1: can. Right. So, yeah.
0: Just, just be aware of that.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> it'll be All, be all right.
0: right. Uh so uh, anyway that's a wrap uh until next week uh on behalf of Our intern, Kevin Harris, filling in for Johnny Ginter. I'm Michael Citro, and uh, we'll see you next time. Peace out.